Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Good morning, Takeover Church. How are we doing? was so incredible. Everything from, from Scott's brief word that he shared to Adrian and praise every single moment, man. They are right. The Holy Spirit has just fallen thick in this place. Would you agree? Yeah. Come on, somebody. Well, this morning, yes, I've had a chance to meet you. You're new with us. Welcome to church. My name is Matt McClure. My beautiful wife, Adrian, and I are the co-lead pastor of Takeover Church. And uh, you best believe that co is capitalized because... This place is burned down without Adrienne, and it would probably be my fault. So, uh, it's good. It's good. And I would accidentally light the fire and then not notice I lit the fire, and then she'd have to put it out. So, honor you, my love. I honor you. But this morning, we are actually kicking off a brand new series here at church. Come on, somebody. Yes. The title of this series is The Heart of the Father. Somebody say This has been something that's really been pressed into, into my heart and into my soul and into my spirit over the last number of weeks where um, God just really get, began to give me a hunger and thirst for his heart where we, we just came off an amazing long season in church where we finished out 2020 going with roots above and branches below. Remember that series? Come on. And then from there we went to Breaker and then from there we went to Dynamis which is God's ability and we just kept moving and grooving and there was all this amazing testimony of things happening. We were seeing lives changed by the power of God. Amen. And it was in that moment that I just kept getting drawn back to God's heart. I would be sitting at Rosers on Friday morning. Cheap plug for the, for the cafe people. Twitter hang out. But I was there at Friday morning and I was waiting. Now, if I meet with Phil or somebody else, that's just awesome and available at 8 o'clock in the morning. And, but I would just sit there and I just kept thinking, like, of oh, God's heart. The Father's heart. He just kept drawing me there. And I would begin to get a sniffle. I'd begin to get some tears in my eyes. And I would just begin to kind of weep silently by myself in the corner of this coffee shop. Because there is something so incredibly life-changing about the heart of our Father. During our life cruise, we've been putting a question there, gearing up for this series very specifically over the last number of weeks. And... We would ask a question about the message and say, how does this phrase, how does this portion of scripture, how does this moment, how does this moment give you a deeper revelation of God's heart for you? What does this tell you about God's heart for you? Because friends, it became increasingly aware that yes, dunamis, roots above, branches below, breaker. Yes, we believe that God has prophesied, that he has spoken over this house, that we are going to bring revival to Grand Rapids, that we are going to see people healed, that we are going to see people jump out of wheelchairs, that we are going to see blind eyes open, marriages restored, addictions fall off. We are going to see these things, and we are already beginning to see 
see these things. But it became increasingly pressed upon me by the Holy Spirit that it is entirely possible to have God's, to possess God's power, but maybe not have God's heart. It became increasingly, increasingly obvious to me. Because so often, the gifts will grow before the character has. And I just, I just felt that we were drawn. That we were being drawn to the heart of the Father. And on the other side of that, is man, I feel like we can give you five steps to this. And we can preach messages about deliverance. And there are things that we can do, absolutely. But friends, you do not need supernatural spiritual bolt cutters to break the chains off your life. You just need to get closer to the heart of God. There's a weight that comes with the heart of God that can break any chain. Every single chain, every single bondage, every single yoke that you shouldn't be yoked with, every single thing that has been pressing upon your life, it must falter, it must fall apart underneath the weight of the Father's heart. Yeah. So we're going to dedicate the next season of church, however long this is, to just going after God's heart. Will you go after it with me, church? Yeah. Can we go on this journey together? We've gone through power and ability. We've gone with uprooting our systems and placing them in heaven. We have got a conviction that we are here not to just be broken, but to do the breaking, amen? I'm asking that you would come with me as we just chase after the heart of God yeah. with everything we have. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes, sir. Fantastic. Who's taking their notes this morning? Yes, sir. Awesome. Title of my message for week one. Y'all ready for this? Yes. Sorry, I'm just getting hot and there's like things that are dangling. <laughs> Title of the message this morning for week one of the heart of the Father is the covenant heart of God. The covenant heart of God. My wife, who's really wise, attempted to, to go with me out of that title. Um, but I'm stiff-necked, as most of you are aware, and have not listened. Um, so I hope that you enjoy that title. <laughs> She's better than me. The covenant heart of God. Do y'all mind if we go to the Old Testament this morning? Yeah, let's do it. Come on, we're going to put Genesis up on the board. Genesis 15, 7 through 21. Y'all ready? Yes. Come on. It's been long, but I'm going to breeze through, okay? Here we go. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur to the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Oh Lord God, how am I to know? How am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these, and he cut them in half. And he laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away as the sun was going down. A deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, dreadful, behold, dreadful, and the great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners, in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. 
As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a gold age, and they shall come back here in your fourth generation, for the iniquities of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land. From the rivers of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates, and the land of the Kenites and the Kenzites and the Kadamites and the Hittites and the Perzites and the Raphaim and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Kirkishites and the Jewishites. <laughs> I love those in there because I could have honestly I could have stopped at verse 17, but I love those in there because there's lasting ramifications with the covenant heart of the Father. This, this covenant that He makes with all of us, that we're going to explore this morning, it's not just for you. No blessing that's ever come upon your life has ever just been about you. No covenant from God has ever just been about you. You and I, we are not the beginning, middle, and ending of our story. That position belongs to Jesus and those that He is trying to reach through you. So we're going to pray, and then we are going to see what God will do with this Ohio piece of scriptures. That's not good. Yeah. Fantastic. Father God, Woo. thank you for healing my back this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah. Father, I thank you for this moment that you were just alive and active right now. God, you are sharper than any double-edged blade, God able to pierce between bone and marrow. God, this morning, I just thank you for the heart surgery that you began in this room, God. That as we confess and we sing and we lift holy hands to heaven, fill me up, God. There are things that have to first come out in order for that water, for that living water, that living well, wellspring of like Jesus to flow out of us. So grateful for that word this morning. So Holy Spirit, come. Be with me as I preach my guts out. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church set. Amen. Amen. The covenant heart of God. The covenant heart of God. Now, I love the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. It's buck wild. It is the wild, wild west. There is crazy shenanigans that are happening all of the time. And we get to see some of the most human stories in human history submitted to the glory of God. Amen. This is a moment where we see Abram. Is anybody familiar with Abram? Yes. Quick context is this. Abram is more than just an amazing little man who's back at uh, Takeover Kids right now. We love you, Abram. Shout out. But Abram, not Michael, but Abram, he's this amazing man. He would go on to be known as a father of faith, in the hall of faith. The book of Hebrew writes about him like he is just the man. But before he was the man, before he was the, in the hall of faith, before he was a father of faith, a hero of faith, he was prophesied over by God. Right after this. Okay? Prophesied by God that he would have a son. And from that son, nations would come. From that son, governments would come. From that son, kings would come. From that son, generations would be affected by Abram's faithfulness here and now. 
Just like God has said over every single one of us in this room, even if you are a self-professed atheist or agnostic, Buddhist, wherever you come from today, you don't know Jesus yet. Our God, the God, has said that over you. Legacy will come from you. What do we want that legacy to be? That's a question that Abram will begin wrestling with. But the thing about Abram is that God said, you're going to have a son, and Isaac is going to come. And from Isaac are nations and governments and kings and queens and rulers and all of these things. But Abram at this moment, before he's known as Abraham, he has a wife named Sarai, who will later go on to be called Sarah. The context here is that right around this moment, well, Sarai's like 60, and Abram's like 70. And the context being here is that Isaac actually would not come. They would not bore a child together themselves until Abram is 90 years old. So in between this moment in time, there's like, what, 20-some years? Between the prophecy and the fulfillment, between the promise and the arrival, between the seed and the fruition, there's an uncomfortability and unforeseen circumstances And here we have Abram charged with being faithful to what God has prophesied over his life for the next 20 years. 20 years. Friends, can I just tell you this morning that I believe that it's in the in-between that you will get a better understanding for the covenant heart of God? It's in the un, it's in the in-between, it's in the unforeseen, and it's in the uncomfortable that the covenant heart of God, a conviction for the covenant heart of God, a revelation for the covenant heart of God will come upon you, but it won't be on the mountaintop and it won't be in the valley low. It will be in the middle of the unforeseen, uncomfortable, and ununderstandable circumstances between promise and fulfillment, prophecy and arrival, seed and harvest. I'll preach to anybody this morning. I believe this is the moment. This is the moment where the Holy Spirit comes upon you, where words and scriptures begin to take on new shape and new form for you, where you are at church, you are experiencing worship like never before, because you find yourself in the middle. You find yourself, I've got the prophecy, I've had the word spoken over me, this was told about me, this is what I feel led to, this is what I feel called to, and then there is the in-between. There's the in-between. And it's in that in-between moment where you will either come out faithful or faithless. As hard as that is to say. Understanding fully that there is grace and there is mercy. And God is more for you than you will ever understand. But Abram Abram's not even Abraham yet. This is the beginning of his story where God begins to prophesy over Abram. And he says, I will bring kings and queens, governments and rulers and nations from you. 
You will have a son with Sarai. Your wife and greatness will flow from you. You will be in the hall of faith. You will be a hero of faith. But Abram, Abram, right in the middle of God's prophecy, right in the middle of God's words of knowledge for his life, right when Abram is receiving the word of his destiny, Abram does what Matt McClure does more than I'm comfortable admitting and probably a lot of us in this room do the same. And we interrupt God. We interrupt God. How often are we in prayer and praise and you know he's doing some heart surgery but then you just got to butt in with but God. We're in the middle of a message and you're going, wow, this is really great and this is really encouraging or that was a bar, that was hard, let it go, say it for the people in the back but God's trying to say it to you. But you're interrupting it with, man, my mom should really hear that. How often when you're outside of these four walls and you're spending personal time with Jesus, as I hope and I pray that every single one of you are, and he's working on you, and you're in the word, or you're praying, or you're listening to worship music in your car, and you're just spending time with your father. Do we allow interruptions? Do we interrupt God on purpose? Because Abram right here, he's going to be the hero of faith. Generations are going to come from him. Kings and queens. And Abram goes, but God, can you imagine? God in his almightiness in heaven, unlimited power, he is he's God. The God of the universe is like, Mikey, I like you. Okay? You're going to do amazing things, bro. God is going to bring kings and queens. The government are going to come from you. You are going to rule America. You're actually going to make America great for the first time. It's going to be amazing. And he goes, sorry. And Mikey goes, but God, how will I know that I am to possess the land? Mid-sentence. You put the king of the universe, spoke light into darkness, formed the planets, did it all. He thought of you, and there you were. God. He spoke life into creation, which is why everything that comes, everything is made of matter, and matter is made up of atoms, and then you split an atom in half, it comes from a cork, and a cork is what? Sound waves. A little science for you. We're not actually at odds. They're just backing up everything we already believed. Get to that in a second. But Abram stops God mid-sentence. The same voice that spoke the sun, the moon, and the stars, the oceans to roar, mountains to rise, valleys to dip. The same God who did that with his voice, Abram puts the pause button on him in the middle of his speech. But God, how will I know? What I'm to possess. How will I know what I, how will I know that I'm going to be able to do what you say that I will do? And this is a question. This is a question we're going to dial in on. This is a question that we're going to rest upon today. How will I know? Because every single one of us have asked this question to God. Every single one of us spent 2020 asking God the same question. Anytime in your marriage, anytime in your college, anytime in your relationships, anytime that you ever face. 
faced any trial or tribulation or turbulence in your walking relationship with Jesus, you have paused him in the middle of his word that is actually going to set you free and set you up for the biggest legacy of your life. And you have asked God, but how will I possess this land? Abram, I brought you out of the earth. You're going to have kings and queens come from you. I have already delivered you. Here is the promised land. But God, how? How am I going to possess this land? How am I going to possess this land? Well, it's in this moment of him asking this question that God completely disregards it. Isn't that great? I love God. I love our Heavenly Father. I love that the dumb questions that Matt McClure wrestles with and has to say, he just disregards sidesteps and comes through making up for it in a million other ways. He's like, that's, that's really not the point. It's really not the point. What is the point, God? I am the point, Matt. Yeah, but how am I going to know you're the point, Matt? I'm the He's the point. And so God, he sidesteps Abram's question. He sidesteps the same question that we've all been wrestling with, we've all been asking. And he says something pretty crazy. Scott, if you wouldn't mind grabbing that for me. God of the universe, I just said, he said something crazy. Crazy to man, not crazy to him. That's usually how it works in heaven and earth. We think something's nuts, and God goes, no, this is actually order. You just have so much disorder in the earth that you don't know what order actually looks like anymore. Because he came from heaven. He once understood order. This is order. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm going to step off the platform. You just, you just lay that right there, my friend. Mm -hmm. Look at that. All right. Who wants to volunteer to get moment five? <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks, my love. Thanks, guys. It's really slippy. It is really slippy. Uh, pray for me right now. Just do you want us to open that one? Should have bought a hundred, should have bought a kid. No, we'll give it. Okay. So good. That's how you start speaking in tongues, by the way. You start with should have bought a hundred, should have bought a kid, and then you just start letting it rip. Okay? Just pull the rip card on the old Holy Spirit. Somebody else said that, not me. Anyways, so God says something just, again, absolutely nuts. Something that looks like complete chaos, disarray here in the natural, but the supernatural in heaven. This is actually how things are done. And what God ends up saying is, uh, how about you, uh, that's a good question, that's a good question. Um, and I'm going to let you finish, but how about you let me, how about you go and get a three-year-old ram, give me a three-year-old goat, and how about you get me a three-year-old heifer, which is a cow, which all the 90s kids know heifer from Rocco's Bottom Life. So, it's true. What's it? What are you trying to do? I gotta open it. I gotta open it so you don't fall. Oh, thanks, my love. Woo! Dude, see, I told you. I told you. This place would burn down. I'd break something. Adrian. She's the real one, okay? I really don't understand why I, I am here. So, this is actually great. Let's better basement. So, so, get yourself a wife if you're single. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, he says. Give me a three-year-old goat, give me a three-year-old ram, give me a three-year-old heifer, bring me a pigeon and a turtle dove. Doesn't end up killing the turtle dove, but he does say, separate, kill the ram, the heifer, and the goat. Mm. 
says, kill the ram and the heifer and the goat. And separate them from each other. One on each side. One piece of each on each side. You see, every covenant with God requires blood. Every covenant with God requires blood. Blood doesn't just cover sin. The shedding of blood doesn't just cover sin. Our Bible says there's no remission for sin without the shedding of blood. It doesn't just, it's not just useful in that. There cannot actually be a blood covenant between you and God if there is no blood that is shed. And we know that our Father, we will soon learn, has a covenant heart. And so he says to Abram, give me a ram, give me a heifer, give me a goat, and cut them in half. Because there cannot be any covenant with God unless there's blood in the game. And you see in this moment, we can look at this covenant here God's original design, God's soul intent, God's purpose for marriage. I know this is so out of the blue, but God's purpose for marriage is that one man, one woman, never had sex with anybody else before. This is God's perfect design for marriage, okay? This is not to shame you. This is just telling you the biblical definition of what this looks like. And I'm going to explore covenant with you for just one second. One man, one woman, never had sex with anybody else before. They come together in a covenant marriage with God. And the first time they have sex, blood is shed. Right. Our bodies are designed this way. You can't even argue this point. Culture, do your worst. Because biologically, by design, from heaven to earth, this is a covenant experience that God intended for his people, for his image bearers, right. for his sons and his daughters. That when one man and one woman would come together for the first time in marriage covenant, there would be the shedding of blood, therefore creating the covenant. Every time there's a covenant, every time there's a contract, every time there's an agreement, every time there's a pact with God, however you want to call it, there has to be the shedding of blood. You see what God's referencing here when he does this is actually back in Israel. I don't know if they still do this, but in Israel there would be a marriage that would be set up. And there would be the father of the groom. There would be the father of the bride. They come together for a marriage agreement before the ceremony takes place. And they would gather a ram, a goat, and a heifer. They would cut them in half in an aisle. And they would come with their marriage terms and their marriage agreements. This is what God is referencing. So the bridegroom, the bride's father, my apologies, says, here are my terms and my conditions. The father of the groom goes, here's my terms and my conditions. And then they would walk through the separated bloodshed carcasses of a ram, a heifer, and a goat. Why? Because the father of the groom would say, if my son does not uphold 
my end of the agreement, what we just laid down, our rules of engagement, if my son doesn't uphold his end, let this be my fate. Likewise, the father of the bride would then take his walk down the proverbial bloodshed carcass aisle and he would say, if my daughter, if she steps out, if she breaks covenant, if she breaks the rule, let this be my fate. May I be sacrificed and separated limb from limb. Don't take it out on my daughter. Don't take it out on my son. Take it out on me, the father. And so God, God is making a covenant with Abraham, but this is a little bit different with Abraham, right? Because God tells Abraham to go and grab it. God tells Abraham to slaughter it. God says to lay it down in the aisle. And then Abraham falls asleep. Abraham falls asleep. Abraham enters such a deep sleep in this moment. God is literally prophesying still over Abraham. And no longer is he interrupting. He actually just falls asleep. And I wonder to myself, I think about this all the time. How hilarious is it? How incredible is it? How monumental, merciful, and gracious is it that while we don't stay up for God, he's still walking in the pieces. While we get distracted, he's still walking in the pieces. Oh, we decide to do our own thing, our own way. He's still walking in the pieces. We don't stay up with God, but he's still prophesying over us. Come on, somebody. We fall asleep on God, but he's still speaking his will over our lives. Come on, somebody. We're not able to stay awake. We're bored. We're tired. We're whatever it is. We fall asleep on God, and yet he's still speaking his designs and his prophecy and his plans over your life. It's the covenant heart of God. You know what that portion of scripture tells me? It tells me that while I'm Abram and I'm asleep, God's walking through the pieces. He is far more concerned with keeping his promises than he is my participation. Yeah. He is far more concerned with him keeping his promises than he is with my participation. Abram wasn't even asleep to make the covenant with him. Abram has no side on this. God says to Abram, I'm going to do this, 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 this. All these things are going to come from your life. And Abram is asleep at the wheel. Much like so many of us are in our walk. We're just going through the motions. We're just checking in on Sunday. We're not praying. We're not reading. We're not worshiping. We're not supplying the needs for somebody else. We're not administering, ministering the medicine that our world needs. We are just going through the motions asleep at the wheel of life. And all the while, God's concern isn't necessarily your participation, but His promises. You know what this also tells me? Don't worry, this is not real blood, by the way. This is acrylic paint from Hobby Lobby. Just so you know. With stuffing. Probably waited too long to clarify that. But do you know what this tells me? 
There's a reason I wore white shoes today. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. God in His majesty, in His glory, in His spotless, blameless, sinless, stainless, ultralight beam, life. All of His glory. Everything. And His concern is wading through the pieces. God's more concerned with upholding His promise than you are with than He is with you believing His promise. God is more concerned with coming through on His promise for you than He is concerned with you actually believing His promises. God has held this against Himself. Here we are, asleep at the wheel, living life how we want to live, right? And God is saying, if I don't uphold my end of the agreement, we're not talking about you. We're not talking about you, Slim. If I don't come through on my end of the agreement, let this be my fate. The King of the universe, God the Father, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about me. I'm not concerned with you coming through on your end. I know you. I formed you. I know your mishaps. I know your potential. And I know when you're going to fall and falter. But me? I don't break covenant. That's why you can be asleep at the wheel. Because I don't break covenant. It's impossible for God to break covenant. And it's so impossible that he would separate limb from limb of a lamb, of a, of a ram, and of a heifer. And he would walk through the pieces. He would allow you to be asleep at the wheel. He's not even nudging you to wake up. The covenant heart of God is far more concerned with keeping His promise to you than even you keeping your promise to Him. Now think about this moment. Because like I said, it's a long 20 years in the in-between. In-between promise and fulfillment. In-between prophecy and arrival. In-between seed and harvest. God is still walking in between the pieces. But Abram's not. Because you see what happens here is this. This is quite fantastic and crazy and I just can't believe it because Abram, much like you and me because we're human, 20 years is a long time and suddenly Abram finds himself in a position in a place where he is discontent, where he is disheartened, where he is disillusioned with the call of God on his life and Abram begins to step out of God's plan for his life, all the while God is still stepping into pieces. Abram is waiting for this child to arrive. Sarah is getting older, and he is getting older. Where are you, God? I don't see it working out, just like you and me. And so crazy in a human condition is that we will step out of God's plan for our life because we don't feel like we're walking God's promise for our life. So we do dumb decisions like Abram did. And instead of being faithful to God, faithful in his marriage, he steps out with one of the slaves, one of the servants of his house. 
to Sire and Son. So while Abram is stepping out in an affair, God is still stepping into pieces. Oh, that's such good news, isn't it, church? That's such good news, isn't it, church? And you would think, you would think that would be enough to turn Abram around, but no, Abram, like Matt McClure, he just keeps rolling in his own mess. And Abram, he doesn't, he doesn't stop there with the servant. Instead, he then tries to have a son with the manager of his estate, basically his financial lady. And he does have a son, an illegitimate son, because it's the illegitimate promise of God. And so while Abram, once again, is found, again, this is the father of faith, friends. This should encourage you. This should give you faith. Because while you and I are a hot mess, God is a burning fire. That's right. While you and I are a hot mess, God is a burning fire. While we are running away from him, he is still burning for us. Amen. While Abram is stepping out once again, God is still stepping in the pieces. Just like you. Just like me, I'm so grateful. This will change your life today. There are chains that will break off of you. There are yokes that will burn from you. These things that have been holding you down, they will turn to dust around you before your eyes. You will find freedom and liberation like you have never felt before because while we have been stepping out, God has remained faithful, stepping into pieces. Our God white as snow. He is so comfortable. He is so efficient. He is so okay waiting for you while he is waiting in the pieces. God is so comfortable waiting for you while he is waiting in the pieces. You see, friends, Where we get into trouble in life is when we start focusing on where we are not yet. Instead, we should be focusing on what God has already walked in. We focus too much on where we have yet to walk that we miss where God has already stepped. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Is this too heavy? Is this good? Where, where are we at this morning? Because I feel like this should change our lives if we understood covenant heart of the Father. And I think we think twice about our actions. I think we think twice about our doubt. I don't think we'd be concerned with our generation standing around deconstructing their faith and throwing things out and listening to culture. Because our God still on His throne still waiting in the pieces. So Abram, he asked the question. <laughs> it, says, it says that Abram's asleep and God shows up as a flaming torch and a flaming pot. And he makes his way through the pieces. And when I think about this, and I think about what it means for Matt McClure, and I think about all the dumb decisions I've done, all the lies I've told, all the things I've stolen, all the dumb stuff that Matt McClure has gotten into in his 30 years of life. 
being saved since I was 16, so I don't have many excuses for the dumb decisions I made in my early 20s. And while Matt McClure is a hot mess, God is still stepping in the pieces. So Abram, he asked a question that we've all asked at one point in time. How will I know, God? How will I know that I am to possess the promised land? See, friends, we need to stop making covenant with lesser things. Friends, we need to stop making covenant with things that cannot promise you the land, so how can they give you the promised land? There are lesser things that are vying for covenant with you that promise you the cure for loneliness but can never make good on giving you community. That can never make good on bringing you true and holy intimacy. Take over church. We have got to stop making covenant with things that have never put blood on it. How will I know, God? How will I know that I am to take the promised land because I because I put blood on it. I am still stepping in it. I am comfortably waiting in it. I am waiting with the waiters waiting for you. I put blood on it. Maybe for you, your promised land today. Maybe for you, your promised land today. Maybe it's not something physical. Maybe it's not something physical. Maybe it's not your calling. Maybe it's not your one day maybe. Maybe God's promised land for you is a well heart. Maybe you feel like your life has just been completely without peace. Void of all peace. Even before the pandemic started. It's easy to blame it not you're all shut in for, you know, ever. And we all feel, you know, a certain way about that. But I think for a lot of us who struggle with eternal peace, I think we would reckon it goes on beyond that. And because we struggle with eternal peace, or maybe we struggle with mental illness, or maybe we struggle with addiction, we begin to make covenant with all of these things that have never walked through these pieces. God's saying that you how will I know that I can put the bottle down, God? Because I made covenant. How do I know, God, what you say for sex is best for sex? Because I made covenant with you. How do I know I am who you say I am? When I feel like this, it doesn't naturally see in the mirror. And God says, because I put blood on it. How can I trust you? I feel broken. I feel shattered. And I am a single woman who's been single for so long. And I am sleeping with a man who's married, but he sees me, God. How can I trust what you say is best for my personal life? God's saying, you think he sees you? No, I see you. I see you, and I'm waiting in it. He's never covenanted with you. He's never put blood on it for you. He doesn't see you. 
around with everybody. It's tearing me up. And I hear what you're saying. Every time I come to church, I feel convicted. But then my mind gets going. I start condemning myself. And I am just twisted up in knots inside. And I don't know how to breathe, God. So I'm going to leave church. And I'm going to leave religion. And I'm going to leave you, Jesus. Because I just don't know how I will break the strongholds on my life. How will I know, God, that I will possess the peace? I will possess the purity. I will possess the divine intimacy that you're saying I can have. I made covenant with you. I made covenant with you. I've stepped into pieces. While you're stepping out on me with alcohol, I'm stepping into pieces. While you're stepping out on your marriage with her, I'm stepping into pieces. While he's stepping out of his marriage with you, I'm stepping in the pieces. How will I know, God? How will I know? Matt, Adrian, Abram, you are so concerned with possessing a promised land that you cannot possess unless I hand it over to you. How will I know that I'm to possess it? How do I to cheat? How do I stray? How do I strive? How do I get? How do I obtain the promises of God that are on my life? How do I have that marriage? How do I wait for that person? How do I remain pure? How do I keep my identity firmly rooted in Him instead of what 2020 is preaching from every direction? What identity is how? I'm keeping my promise to you or this will be my fate. Or this will be my fate. I will deliver you. If I don't deliver you, cut the God of the universe into pieces. If I don't heal you, cut me into pieces. If I don't revive your marriage, cut me into pieces. If following Jesus doesn't lead you to life and life more abundantly, cut me into pieces. It may not look like what you want it to look like, but it will look like what I cut pieces for. It may not happen in the time frame that you would hope it would happen in, but I went to the pieces for it. It may not go your most ideal way, but I promise you, it is heaven's idealistic way and sovereign way for your life. Why? You didn't even make this agreement with me. I made it with you. You've been asleep at the wheel. You've been asleep at your period. You've been asleep in your mind. And all the while, I have stayed up day in and day out, night and day. I don't go to sleep because I am waiting in the pieces for my children. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Because I am waiting in the pieces. And I'm not much of a crier. But man, this just messes me up. This messes me up because I see so many of us. I see so many of us. We live a life. 
who live a life where we don't honor this, where we don't respect this, where we continue to perpetually live marked and barred, dirty, broken, messy lives. God said, you don't have to keep making a mess of things. I'm steeped in it for you. God, I can't overcome this. You can, because I've made covenant for your overcoming. God, I can't beat this. You may not, but I will deliver you from this because I've made covenant. This promised land that you are so desperate to obtain, you are so fixated on performance.